It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, taking stock of the Cavs 11 games in. Let's do it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astral Radio, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Second episode here for you today, us getting back into the flow. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always. All right, segment one today, we're going to do a little phrase, do a little... Just kind of talking about how we feel about the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and where we are with them right now. Segment two, is, what the numbers is, say we're going to Is this go stolen from Tony Yeast and locked on Pacers or a fresh concept? Uh, maybe subconsciously, because I do listen to locked on Pacers. That's one of that's in my rotation. Quite like Tony. Well, we have to copy uh, Tony at some point, and one of us has to blip out of the episode at random like he did <laughs> in the latest episode. Yeah, King. Uh, we're going to look at the numbers in segment two, including one that would actually paint a pretty positive picture, and I can't really decide how I'm supposed to feel about that or make of that right now. And then segment three, should we adjust our expectations or predictions at all based on what we've seen so far? And Evan, let's start with where we're at. To me, and I'll, you can tell me if you feel the same or, or feel differently. Okay. To me, something just feels off. Something feels like it is missing and is how I describe what I feel like is going on here. It could be some injuries. It could be lack of continuity. It could be adjustments they're making. But when you have, when you see what JB said after that Kings game, you see what the numbers say, and we'll get to that. You just watch how they play. Something doesn't feel totally right for this Cavs group to me right now, and I can't totally put my finger on it. So the bizarro darius garland would say the vibes are in fact not immaculate because i agree like i'm not saying the vibes are bad or there's issues within the locker room no don't no one quote me on that or anything but more so the fact that just something feels 
off compared to last year, I think, or at least it, it feels more of the same from last year's day, I think how I want to say it. like in terms of just offensive things and stylistic changes and how the Cavs are really practicing and just like beating the drum on how or preaching and how they're going to practice this new offensive style and execute it on a nightly basis. And we've seen them kind of regress back to a lot of ISO ball. I think a lot of that does lean on them not really having a true point guard outside of Darius Garland on this roster currently, uh, like no disrespect to Craig Porter Jr., but he's not equipped to fully give the Cavs what they need at this juncture right now. And I think injuries has certainly played a part in that. I, I wonder if it's fair to question coaching at times too. Like is JV Bickerstaff able to kind of break some of his bad habits and kind of what, what hand strung him towards like, I, I don't want to say this is the end of his tenure with Cleveland, but like at least like the end of his tenure with Houston or Memphis, just like kind of like what got in the way of JV Bickerstaff get it is JV Bickerstaff himself towards the end of the, the end of his last two coaching stints and like it's all up in the air but like you could look at the numbers you could look at like whatever stat me spits out or um what certain lineups and rosters and things like that just say like you can really get into the minutia of it and be kind of kind of obsessed like charlie kelly with um uh just uh pepe silva and stuff but like more than that like it doesn't pass the smell test and more importantly it doesn't really pass the eye test just because like this Cavs team just kind of like you said, feels off. I think incomplete is another way I'd put it. And I'm still trying to kind of piece together myself where exactly this team is at and where are they headed uh, now that they are after this Pistons game, 12 games into their regular season. I, I think also, I feel like I had higher expectations for what this group was, right? I feel like I had... An expectation that uh, they wouldn't yeah. pick up, yeah, like pick they they weren't going like, to pick c- up. C- considering yeah. how last season ended and how strong they looked at times last year, you did you you expected wholesale change that led to positive growth built off of the positives of what worked for them last year, and I, I haven't seen that like click quite yet. Yeah, I didn't think that I was going to feel like they picked up more from the playoff loss than I did from the regular season. And that's what it feels like to me. And I feel like this is more a continuation from the Knicks series than it is from the team we saw in the regular season last year. And that, to me, is a little bit surprising. That's an interesting way to look at it because you do wonder, like, I asked JB about this the last time I actually did a press scrum um, or just like a media availability period. Like, is it they were a dominant team at home during the regular season last year. And the Knicks kind of pants them a little bit and certainly made them look vulnerable at home. And I asked JB, like, is it a health thing or something different? He's like, it's health. And he's like, you know, you're just hoping it's, it stops pouring, eventually stops raining and just, you know, it's a dry, the calves just to find their footing again. And I do think injuries have played a huge part in things not completely working for the calves, but like you said, like it's not the lack of, because toughness is such like a, toxic masculine term to begin with but like more so the fact that like it just doesn't feel quite the same it doesn't feel like this team is either mentally fully over the last how last season ended or more so the fact that the Cavs are unable to like breathe because they're paranoid about not messing up like how last season ended like I don't know it's just it's hard to kind of read the tea leaves a little bit and figure out what is going on behind the scenes of this group is there is there a player to you like I guess just look at this positively? Is there a player to you that has impressed you or, or caught your eye in any significant way so far this year? Uh, Max Struess. I say it a lot, but like 
I'm very pleased to see that like his transition from his time in Miami to what has been happening in Cleveland so far has been fairly seamless. Like he's been a clean fit go. And I know like he does the simple stuff in terms of passing and playmaking and things like that, but he does do a lot of things where there's wholesale positive impact. And I think like when you're talking about numbers to help paint a picture, like the Cavs on off numbers with or without Struce are pretty scary at times. And maybe like you're hoping George Nian can click or Ty Jerome can get healthy as well to give you more shooting options off the bench. But Struce is kind of integral to making them function offensively to start games right now. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to health. But also just like we, we talk about, I talk about rather, like when we're talking about like our concerns heading into mm-hmm. the season. Like Miami guys, maybe not translating. Uh, it seems like games Gabe Vincent's that dude for the um, Heat right now. But more importantly, like Max Struess is a pretty clean fit for Cleveland, and I'm pretty pleased with the returns on what we've seen so far. They are plus thirty two point six per hundred possessions with him on the floor in three hundred and eighty four minutes. That's pretty big. That's crazy. Um. Mitchell's the other is like the obvious one. He's been the best player on the team so far this year. And I think Karis yeah. Levert's the other. Karis Levert, I think, has really, in, a, in an impressive way, stepped up into a bigger role and, and handled things in a way that I think has spoke well of him. While Darius Garland has had a pretty poor start to the season, I think, I, frankly, a kind of a disappointing start here with the injuries, with just some of the decisions he's made. Levert, for his credit, um, is... I think really filled in a lot of ways. They are the Cavs are pl- like nearly plus ten per hundred possessions with him on the floor through into thirty one minutes for Levert with on the court so far this year. The offense is particularly good with him on the floor. That in itself has just been. I think he's been really like they they would be. There's no doubt in my mind, Evan, that they would just have another loss or two at this point of the year if they did. They weren't getting what they're getting from Levert to start the year, and I I, I think that's maybe gone under underspoken a little bit. I mean, yeah, it has gone underspoken. I think we're seeing a, a large sample of what Levert gave to the Cavs on either end of the floor, and like that's a big positive for them from like, the, what they gave him last season. Like that's a positive this year, positive this year. But you're also seeing like the sprinklings of what made Levert so functional for the Cavs up before he joined Cleveland. Like he is a slashing ball handling guard, and I think he has been empowered to lead a lot of those bench units and maybe play in tandem with well. Donovan Mitchell mostly just because Garland's missed so much time due to injury but yeah I think he has been a bright spot for them and you hope the rest of the other pieces kind of find their footing but at least you're able to find some sustainable success from both Mitchell being otherworldly in most nights and Levert carrying from last year and then also you're seeing these positive returns of one of the new faces a guy who is clearly critical he's just starting small forward but like Struess kind of acclimating pretty easily is good and you're hoping like as health turns in Cleveland's favor and as the season carries along as guys are more proper in game shape uh, everything else just to start to fall into place too because yeah it's a good point like Darius Garland has been uh, not pretty but say a lot disappointing to start the year alright coming up next we're going to talk about some Cavs numbers what they say what they tell us kind of big picture numbers nothing too granular but we're going to dive into those coming up right after this Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot, and it is natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be 
It provides with all of the stress and change, something to look forward to, something to make you feel grounded, something to give you the tools to manage everything going on. For me, therapy is an essential part of my life. I would not be nearly as functional and happy and war- and just around in the same way that I am if it wasn't for therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today and get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P help.com slash LockedOn N-B-A. Today's episode is also brought to you by GameTime. GameTime is a great way to save money, reduce stress, and save time when buying tickets. I used it this summer going to New York to buy tickets to Liberty Aces. I have family coming in for Thanksgiving that wants to go to Cavs, Lakers, see LeBron. They're going to use Game Time. That has been my advice. Them is go for tickets on Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices in the app, views from your seat, and the their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you get when you arrive. And you can buy tickets in two seconds with two taps. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last-minute seats. You can get exclusive flash deals, sponsored deals for tickets on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. That's guaranteed. All right, uh, Evan, uh, we have, I have three numbers that are more standard numbers. I have one that's a little funky. I want to finish with the funky one. So, sure. when I, so when I look at this, do you want to start overall? Do you want to start on the offensive side? Do you want to start on the defensive side? Where do you want to start? Let's start at overall to kind of paint the full picture, and then we can start filling in the numbers um, with the offensive and defensive numbers. So lay them right, on these, me. All right, so offense, or overall, excuse me, net rating, Cavs are 18th right now, negative 1.8 net rating. That is obviously below average. They are, it has been a little bit lower at points this season, so it has ticked up a little bit. If you look at by comparison, the best teams in the league right now, Boston's like plus 15, Philly's plus, nearly plus 9, Houston's plus 8. And if you go back to last year, the Cavs obviously had one of the best net the, uh, for much of the year, um, and in some places, the best net rating in the entire league. They finished last year at plus 5.8 per 100 possessions, second best in league, only Boston was better. So uh, through 11 games, Evan, the Cavs qualitatively are just a significantly worse team if you just go by net rating. Yeah, and I don't think that's surprising in the sense that they are missing that defensive blanket and kind of the paint presence that is Jared Allen for the better part to start the year. I think George Niang being picked apart on defense when he is with bench units and kind of being that weaker link for the Cavs with bench units has been tough too. Uh, and it's also just been hard just because like Darius Garland has missed time and when he's out there, like there's moments where he gets blown past and blown up on defense. And then there's other moments where Donovan Mitchell has been great. I like, I think it's just a work in progress and I think it's expected uh, for them to take a step back defensively in terms of the overall net rating. 
uh, just because they're adding more offensive-centric pieces. And I also think it makes sense because injuries have played a part in the offense, maybe not kind of fully clicking, or we get a full understanding of how lethal they can be on some nights on either end of the floor. It's it's a little bit... It's just... I think this number will get better. I don't think it's going to hold where it is now the whole year. I just I just think this group is still per, should be pretty good. It is just perplexing to me. It, it is just like speaks not perplexing because they just haven't played well, but it speaks too much of like how lacking they've been that I think it's fallen off that much. Okay, so on offense now they're nineteenth in offense. That's about a point below league average. The offense just hasn't, and, and I think if you this backs it up with what we've seen on film and in games, Evan, it's just the, the offense doesn't look as crisp as I thought it might all the time, even with their ability to, and maybe this is because they've added Struess and they've added Yang and they can run more stuff and, they're, and they haven't had Garland. They don't really have a backup point guard. Maybe there are just these things they're adjusting to, this, so it isn't one-to-one from last year, but the offense still just isn't rating out as, as particularly good in any way. No, it's not. And I think this is to my point when we were talking about point guards in the first episode of this two-episode doubleheader for Friday. But it's just, it's tough because the Cavs are trying to do playmaker by committee. And sure, it makes sense if you're asking Garland to play like 30, 35 minutes a night and you fill in the last 13 or so minutes. I mean, obviously seconds play a factor here, but like the 13 or so minutes that... um you need to fill in the gap with with Donovan Mitchell, uh, Karis LeVert, Ty Jerome at times to shoot. Maybe even Max Struess who's shown some chops as a primary ball handler. But it's hard to paint a, paint a full picture of where they're at. I think if you're kind of struggling to start the year, that's not a, not a too, too worrisome thing. I think for me, just what's more concerning is the fact that like that number does indicate like the Cavs are playing back on their old habits of last year. And sure that a lot of that is not having like a true point guard to kind of like set the table on offense, but there's just a lot of guys who have like clear cut skill sets and clearly are good at what they're good at, but not having a guy to maybe complement that offensively doesn't help. And then you have a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's like, all right, I'm just going to put the whole team on my back or in Mitchell's case, my hamstrings and just kind of carry them and will them the victory. And sometimes it's bore fruit for the Cavs this season. It bore more fruit last season, I'd say for sure. But there's also some nights where teams are like, okay, we can kind of sit at home and let Donovan get his and kind of just crank up the defensive intensity on others. And you're just kind of waiting for that third star to truly emerge to kind of like one lighten Mitchell's load, but also counterbalance like the nights he may not have Darius Garland just because like more often than not, he has been unhealthy to start the season. Two other things about the offense and we'll go to the defense. Sure. Overall, again, not good. Transition-wise, They've been really good. They're fifth in points per possession in transition. They're sixth in frequency, fourth in, in points per play. They they have up their frequency four percent year over year in transition. That is that has been good. They're playing faster in that sense. Half court is where the big drop off has happened. They have cut their trans, their half court frequency down in a, a little bit, obviously because they're running more. But they're they they last year they were tenth in half court efficiency. Had the seventh best offense in the league. This year, they are 19th, as I said, in, in offensive efficiency right now. They are 21st in half-court offensive Eesh. efficiency. There, there's been a real drop-off there, and I th- you could, that shows up with Garland. That shows up with the lack of a point guard. And I think that, tells, that you could say that says something about Mitchell to some degree as well. All right, defense. Cavs right now 19th in defense. This is, to me, the, the, the maybe the most alarming one. This is a team built 
on having the best defense in the league last year, having one of the three to five best defenses year out, year in, year in, year out. They are a little bit below league average right now. And Evan, I, I think they, they obviously have said this publicly. It's not even we're projecting this onto them. They have talked about how they added pieces to add scoring because they needed to take a step up on that end of the floor, They so they thought. And I think that was the right read. But I think there is, there's is there been a cost on defense at certain spots, and I think particularly on the wing, they, they have one guy in Okor who's now missed five games or whatever who can be a real physical perimeter defender, and there's haven't had they didn't have Allen to start the year. This defense just doesn't feel like it is close to as sharp as it was last year, and, and the personnel, I think, is, is part of the problem here to some degree. I think the personnel is a key part of it. I think the lack of Jared Allen certainly plays a factor, but more recently, like having no Isaac Okoro has been tough for Cleveland just because is never going to give you the flashiest box score nights. There's going to be moments where you're like, oh gosh, he's like dominant out there. And like, he has been very hot to start with the season offensively when he has been available. But like more so the fact that like he's Cleveland's best point of attack defender. He has been there. He is their best overall perimeter defender as well. And like not having that presence to maybe alleviate some of the pressure that Evan Mobley has really faced without Jared Allen or maybe Jared Allen on a minutes restriction or even Mobley and Allen have faced just because like the, the Cavs don't have anybody to kind of slow people down on the perimeter and they're forced to have constant pressure and constant defending the pain or even defending in isolation. Like it's tougher this year. And I think it'll figure itself out and smooth itself out over times over time. But comparatively to last year where everything kind of clicked right away with Donovan Mitchell entering the fold of Darius Garland versus, oh, I guess Garland did have that eye injury, but like Mitchell was otherworldly to start the year last year. But it, it doesn't have the same pop as it did last year. And I think that's kind of understandable, like you said, with the, the, the personnel changes, but also like this team just cannot stay healthy for whatever reason. Like it, it is like, I don't know how else to say it. like everyone's asking like, Oh, what's their deal? And like, they just, they can't stay healthy. That's all it really is. And like, I know it's a frustrating thing to hear, but that's just all it really chalks up to, to me, in my eyes. Last thing. This is the weird one. Small thing. I don't know what to make of it as of right now. I need to talk to some people about this and, and see what they say, if I'm being honest. But the Cavs, at dunks in threes, they have an adjusted net rating based on strength of schedule. So you, your net rating gets a boost if you've played a harder schedule. The Cavs are fifth in net rating according to dunks in threes based on how hard of a schedule they've played. That is That is that was wild to me. The Bucks also rate up better than that. They're not the only team that has gotten a boost. But that caught me a little bit off guard, Evan, when I saw that they were fifth if you adjust for how good of a schedule, how hard of a schedule they've had so far. So was this the encouraging stat you... This was the weird one that like you could spin as encouraging. You could spin it as like, well, they're just not playing well against good teams. And like, that's also a concern. There's just like some weird stuff going on here. Yeah, it is weird. But I think dunks and threes is a good barometer for how tough the season has been in terms of just like we talked about this in the season preview. Like, yeah, the Cavs have a pretty rough opening to start the year. Not only do they open the season at home against Oklahoma City and the Pacers back to back, but like they play this, they play a lot of good teams early in the year. Golden State included. Oklahoma City is much better. Then they go immediately on the road to handle the road test, whether it's New York or Brooklyn or just weird stops in between. But like, this was not a good road team last season. And I'm not going to give, they're not going to give me the benefit of the doubt until they, or I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt rather until I actually see them execute off or on the road. But yeah, they've had a pretty tough test to start the year. I think they're going to eventually enter a bit of that sweet spot, but like the Cavs with the heightened pressure of the in-season tournament, um, 
and just kind of how tough the season is to start, how it is kind of in the middle is a bit of a lull, but it's sharper towards the end of the year as well. Like not really an easy outing because like after Detroit, you are staring down the barrel of Denver, Philadelphia, Miami and Los Angeles before you get a breather against Toronto. And then Atlanta's kind of up and down, but they're a good team. And then you have Atlanta, but then you play Portland, Detroit. That's a little bit of a breather, but then you have to play Orlando, Boston twice, Atlanta, Houston, who we talked about before, a much better team. Utah, not a great team. But then you have like New Orleans and then Chicago, who's not great, and Dallas. And at that point, you're almost towards the end of the calendar year. So the Cavs have like small gaps or like they can kind of build upon success, but like they have to apply it against these better teams. And they have some pretty tough tests to start the year. Like, Denver fun game for me is a basketball sicko. Like I hope everyone is just healthy to play each other in that game, but Denver, then Philly, like immediately after that, like, and then not only that, it's like Philly and then Miami the following night, like immediately after that Philly game. Like that's, that's a, uh, that's tough. Uh, if you're the Cavs. All right. Coming up next, is it time to revise any predictions? We're going to talk about that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Pick is the largest DFS platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It is just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player set projections and watch your winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from a different sport or league. For example, you could go LeBron James over on you could go LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a combined ten and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and the comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find them on the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Pick community. They also offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured. If someone gets injured in the first half in a football or basketball game and does not return for the second half, the player is rebooted. Go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. That's prizepicks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, last segment. Evan, I'll ask you this. Sure. Do you have your expectations, have your feelings about the ceiling for this team? Has any of that changed as you've seen these first 11 games? Not necessarily. I think my expectations will always stay the same. Like, it's a make-or-break season for the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro in a contract year. Like, there's been some good, there's been some bad. I think injuries have certainly muddled the entire picture and perspective on everything. But 
I don't think my expectations have shifted. Like if you get flamed out in the first round, the, the season's a disaster. I considered it a, a failure last year just of how bad they looked against the Knicks. And sure, the Cavs can beat their chest on regular season success, but based on um, early returns so far, they don't really have that uh, that laurel to rest on anymore. So we'll, we'll see how things go. It's an 82-game slog for a reason, and I think, once this team gets healthy and kind of starts clicking and gelling a little bit, because they haven't had that ability just because guys are in and out of the lineup when they kind of just need the whole picture uh, just to paint everything. But um, we'll, we'll check back in towards like the midway point of the year because we're getting close to like a quarter of the way into the regular season. But my expectations or feelings haven't changed. Um, I do have my trepidations and reservations if things don't con- trend in a positive direction towards like midway into the season maybe my stance changes a little bit more then but for now like yeah uh i still have more questions than answers than i do about this team but i i expect them at least not to flame out in the first round again and hopefully actually make like a legitimate run at the conference finals where i have ended up is i i this start hasn't been encouraging if you're not a Cavs optimist and i think i was coming into the year i think there is a little bit of concern for me And I also just think some of the teams in the East are better than I thought. Philly is better than I thought. Maxie's been on. Like, Philly's Uh, been really good. Philly's been really good. You met friend of the program, Jordan Christmas, at my wedding. And um, he could not stop seeing the praises of Nick Nurse. And he's been, I will give Jordan his his flowers. He has been completely vilified in the fact that Tyrese Maxie does have the makings of a franchise point guard and is a really good compliment to, to Joel Embiid. And We'll see what the next steps are for Philly, but like Nick Nurse is going to run those dudes into the ground, but they are playing a much more stylistically easing form of basketball versus what they were doing with Doc Rivers last year. Yeah, the team looks good. The Bucks are getting, at least win-wise, a little bit more back on track. The Heat have now won six in a row. The Knicks are still the Knicks. The Hawks' offense, at the very least, is very, very good. Cavs are still five and six. It's not like they are... A ton, yeah. It's back. not like they're they're not like the Pistons right now, or the Grizzlies rather. The Grizzlies, like the Grizzlies, yikes. are a straight cook. That that team might just be absolutely cooked. Who, but who like, would have thunk losing Dylan Brooks would have just completely had a domino effect on? Well, thing. not Stephen Adams and John Moran. It's Dylan Brooks. No further comments but, at this time. But I, here's what I would here's how I would kind of end this. I think the Cavs' path to kind of hitting the ceiling we outlined. I think it's a lot harder now than it was. Based on what I thought coming into the year, how they've started, we, what the we East didn't looks even like. Talk I th- about Boston. Like Boston is Bo- really, really good. good out the gates. Like we watched out. We watched like fifty-five-year-old Al Horford just like go bananas from three-point range against Philly the other night. Like the Celtics are the Celtics, and <laughs> they are. I was more low on them than Chris was. I think I was more high on the Bucks, and they're dealing with their own issues that Chris pointed out to me, but. Jeez, oh, Pete's. Uh, Jason Tatum will definitely be an MVP finalist, and like the the Celtics are definitely picking up where they left last year. I the Cavs are, de- I think, definitely just in a spot where it's a little bit dicier. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit harder to see what's going to come here. We will see where this goes. I think the next stretch of games, and there are some really tough ones, is going to tell us a lot. But I think the cat. I think what I would say is, it's still possible the Cavs hit their ceiling. There's a lot of basketball left. They'll get healthier. Things will get more normal. But I think their path to hitting their ceiling is now a little more difficult than I thought it would have been. 
I 100% agree with that feeling. We're like, pie in the sky scenario, you finish the season as the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And sure, a lot can change between now and March or April when things are kind of getting locked in at that at that point. But it's much tougher footing um, just because like this, this Cavs team has kind of struggled to find what their new core identity is with this group that they have assembled. And it's clear that the core identity that got them to this point isn't reemerging as quickly as they maybe hope it would. And it's, it's just going to be tougher footing from here on out. We're going to end there. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerill. We'll be back at you. Special Friday, late night, Saturday morning edition of Lockdown Cavs, recapping Cavs Pistons. We know it's been uh, a little bit of a different schedule for our listeners and viewers this week, so we want to give you that game recap. And then we'll obviously have Cavs Nuggets covered for you on Sunday as well. I'll be doing a post-game breakdown and some stuff over on our TikTok and Instagram pages you can find as well. Content kinks over He'll here be doing some at Lockdown dances and stuff. Uh, if I do a TikTok dance, I would. Here's what I'll say: if 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 our listeners and viewers, I will even set up a page for this, like a PayPal or something, and and be honest about it. I will do a TikTok dance if by the end of the month our viewers raise two hundred and fifty dollars for November. I'm not even going to say it's that much money, like $250. And I'll like, I'll donate some as well. If you get the 250, but if we find a way and I'll organize it and you get the $250, I will do a TikTok dance. A single one. Uh, would you do um, one? Hmm. I don't, I, I don't, we'll find one. We can pick one, but I will do one. If we can raise $250 for November. Okay. All right. I like to see it. I like to hear it, but <laughs> Let's do it. Mental mental health is uh unpack and I, I will take I will publicly embarrass myself for the sake of raising awareness and money for mental mental health. Heck yeah. All right. I, I then we're gonna try and we're gonna try and grow this mustache next. So we're 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 trying. I believe in you. As someone All right, who's after- struggled to grow facial hair, <laughs> I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah, we got one guy who's got a full head of hair and his whole family does, and it's shiny, shiny head man, hey man over here. My bro. brother cannot grow a beard. Uh, the mustache. Your was... brother? Did your brother not have? He didn't he have a beard and he shaved it down. He can't grow anything on his cheeks. It's all on his neck and a mustache. So he's mm. quite literally a neck beard, and yeah. it was long and haggard before the wedding. But he's just like. I think I took I, a. I think I took a picture with your brother and someone who listens to the show at the wedding, but I don't exactly remember. It's probably the officiant Brian who you asked, are you okay? No. When he said, I listen to you guys' show every day. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I did. I that's my go-to when people enter I say I'm I'm I say I'm sorry or ask if they're okay, which is really just negging myself. It wasn't him, it was someone like his age. This doesn't matter. Talk to y'all later. Have a great Friday. Talk to you after Cavs Pistons. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.